Hi, everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk TEFL. This is episode one. My name is Jackie Bolin, and joining me is... I'm Jennifer Smith. We're going to talk everything TEFL, ESL, EFL teaching. Um, So our vision is to have um, lots of teaching tips. So we'll talk about different activities and games you can use in the class. Um, We'd love to interview all of our old friends who are teaching in various places around the world. Um, Yeah, we'll see where it takes us. But So where are you these days, Jennifer? I am in Moscow of all places. (laughs) And are you teaching there? Yeah, I just... I am not teaching at the moment. I am a trailing spouse at the moment, but I am, I'm thinking about going into online teaching. I feel like probably this past year was the time to get in on it, but um, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities. Oh yeah, there's a ton. And I would actually love, I, I actually don't know that much about online teaching, so I think we need to find some of our old friends or whoever who are doing online teaching now and do some interviews because I think that would be a really helpful, helpful place to go or to find out, pump them for information about about something that neither of us know that much about. (laughs) I'm joining you from um, Vancouver, Canada. So I was an English teacher in South Korea for 10 years, and that's actually where Jennifer and I met. Um, And I moved to Canada about five years ago. So um, yeah, these days I do a little bit of teaching. I tutor at an English academy for mostly Chinese students. And then, um, yeah, I have a few websites and I write books for English teachers and English learners. So that's what I'm doing today. Um, So this episode, I'm going to interview Jennifer about her experiences teaching um, mostly in Korea. I think I'm not sure if you taught other places too, but about Korea for sure. And then episode two, Jennifer will interview me. So that's our that's our plan. So um, Jennifer, how did you get into um, teaching? Well, I think like a lot of teachers in Korea, I sort of fell into it backwards. I um, actually came into it because of the Korea connection. I had been a Korean linguist in the military, but I was never stationed in Korea. So I wanted to go to Korea and the easiest way to go to Korea at that time and earn money because I'm independently wealthy was uh, as a teacher. So I, I went on the promise of uh, full training, which was a lie in (laughs) every sense of the word. (laughs) Um, uh, But, uh, you know, I, spent a lot of time on researching, you know, teaching techniques and classroom activities and classroom management. And uh, I co-teesaw, which was an amazing organization. It still is an amazing organization, I'm sure. I'm just not there anymore to benefit from it. But uh, I learned so much from my participation in co-teesaw and uh, eventually got my master's in education and yeah, um, so, and so that's got all professional about it. And so that's quite interesting <laughs> that you um, knew Korean obviously quite well before coming to Korea. That's very unlike most English teachers who know maybe like <laughs> a couple words at maximum, I think would be the most that teachers would know. Um, did that help you in your teaching experiences or fitting into like school life with Korean teachers? Or It helped me so much. And I will say very clearly my... Korean was mediocre at the best of times, but um, the Korean coworkers that I had 
really did not speak English. They all had degrees in English, but they had all speak English through Korean. I don't think they had ever had to actually speak Korean or sorry, speak English to complete their degrees. So we would just converse in Korean and they would give me any sort of direction in Korean. And that was just it. So um, what ages did you teach or what kind of schools did you uh, teach at during your time? Um, Well, I taught at a variety of schools and I taught all ages from kindergarten to I spent a semester as a teacher trainer. And I, excuse me, I also spent about a year uh, teaching adults, like business people, going to offices and doing like group classes for, you know, pharmaceutical salesmen and, you know, that sort of thing. So I really uh, spread the gamut of classrooms, but mainly I taught elementary school and upper elementary was really my favorite age group for so many reasons. Uh, what, <laughs> are, what, what are businessmen some of them? were my least. <laughs> the least. And, so, and so why did you like, um, I think like in Korea, that would be like grade five or grade six or something. Uh, so, and um, so why did you three, like Three, four, so and five. Uh, yeah, okay. three, four, and five were my favorite. Um, old enough to have personalities and be fun to talk to but not so old that they would really give you a lot of attitude. <laughs> yeah, grade six in Korea. I don't know if it's like around the world, but my experience is teaching um, kids. I, I taught mostly in universities during my time there, but I did teach kids for a couple of years. Um, grade six, I don't know. They were the ones that caused me the most grief out of like any, yeah. any grade. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was tough, really, sure. um, yeah, I think it was, like they underwent some sort of metamorphosis between grade five and six. And they went from being great students to teach to no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But then by the time they got to like grade eight or grade nine, they were like normal again. I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess puberty, puberty happens in that period in a big way. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's true. So, and so did you teach um, at Hogwans or like public schools or, or what kind of institutions were you, were you at? Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> I the job I had, the job I had the longest was at a hagwon for um, returnees. So kids who had lived in an English-speaking country and gone to school uh, in English period of time, and so we just used American textbooks, and they worked at grade level. Um, and I also spent several years teaching at. Uh, an immersion elementary school. So the kids had half a day. Five or grade six or something. Uh, so, and um, so why did you Three, like four, and five. Uh, okay. Yeah, three, four, and five were my favorite. Um, old enough to have personalities and be fun to talk to, but not so old that they would really give you a lot of attitude. <laughs> yeah, grade six in Korea. I don't know if it's like around the world, but my experience is teaching um, kids. I, I taught mostly in universities during my time there, but I did teach kids for a couple of years. Um, grade six, I don't know. They were the ones that caused me the most grief out of like any, yeah. any grade. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was tough, really, sure. um, yeah, I think it was like they underwent some sort of metamorphosis between grade five and six. And they went from being great students to teach to no thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but then by the time they got to like grade eight or grade nine they were like normal again I don't know I'm not sure I guess puberty puberty happens in that period in a big way yeah um, yeah it's true so and so did you teach um 
at Hogwans or like public schools or, or what kind of institutions were you were you at? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I the job I had <laughs> the job I had the longest was at a Hogwan for um, returnees, so kids who had lived in an English speaking country and gone to school uh, in English period of time. And so we just used American textbooks and they worked at grade level. Um, and I also spent several years teaching at uh, an immersion elementary school. So the kids had half a day of Korean instruction and half a day of English instruction. And that was really good too. That sounds amazing. That's kind of different than most um, English teachers in Korea at kind of Hogwan style places. Generally um, you would teach after school programs so you'd see the kids maybe for like 45 minutes or an hour like three days a week or something like that but um yeah your experience yes, sounds more interesting exactly. you could actually get to know the kids and they were actually obviously quite good <laughs> at English you could like talk to them talk talk <laughs> to them so yeah like, yeah Hi, how regular. are you how's the weather yeah. you could actually have like normal conversation was really good some of the things you like <laughs> yes. really liked yes. about uh Korea and teaching <laughs> teaching there <laughs> um well, I, I really liked it because, um, for one thing, I know a lot of teachers in the U.S., like a lot of um, friends from home. I have a lot of relatives who are teachers, and my situation was always better than their situation. <laughs> Whenever I would complain about report cards or um, marking or whatever, I would never complain to them because <laughs> whatever I had to do, like they had to do like tenfold, you know, my, I have a twin sister. Oh, fun fact. Both of us have twin sisters. Yes, <laughs> um, I have a twin too. My and, twin sister... and my mom is a twin as well, which is another fun Ooh. fact. We're all identical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're fraternal. Ah. Oh, well, you, you definitely win, win the twin <laughs> war there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take my brownie points for the day. Um, yeah, my my twin sister was a, a high school special ed teacher, and the amount of paperwork that she had to do was so insane. And she had two planning hours to help offset it. But all that really happened was everybody would say, "Well, she's got two," or so she should do this extra thing you know like if a teacher called in sick you know they would just have her come in and teach you know during her planning period and you know sort of steal people's planning periods and have them teach rather than get a sub in or something uh, so that would be tough yeah. to keep doing she that had, job year after year if that was the situation I think indeed and um not very surprisingly she is now teaching online. She teaches high school online now. Hmm. So yeah, she, I think she had enough of all the rules and regulations and everything changing on a dime last year's yeah. um, legal requirements. And these are this year's requirements and you have to learn everything from scratch all over again. And yeah, oh, that's tough. It's tough. And so uh, what about like living in Korea and the culture and the food and all that kind of stuff? Like what like what what things did you love um, about that? Um, well, 
Yeah, I, this is going to sound so lame, but I really liked sort of the long-term student aspect of this term and they're like, here's your place to live and it's furnished and you know, you don't have to worry about getting utilities hooked up and you don't have to worry about, you know, normal homeowner stuff. Hmm. And so it was kind of like still being a student for 15 years. <laughs> I agree. I On the other that. hand, if you, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, especially now that um, I am a homeowner and I, we have had, so we had, we have a house. And um, several years ago, my sister-in-law was living in it and there was a house fire. And we are now in the third year of renovations and it is still not finished. And we have had workers <laughs> in the house pretty much that whole time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And if there was a fire in Korea, you just would have moved somewhere else. Yeah, the the building would have been demolished and that would have just been that. My my very last um, teaching contract that I did in Korea, I worked for almost five years at this university. They just gave a housing allowance, so I had to organize my own um, housing. So I lived in two different places during that time. And it was stressful. I just was like, oh my God, this is really crazy trying to communicate with landlords and get things hooked up. And I spoke like, okay, Korean, but obviously I had no vocabulary related to like rental housing and contracts. And, like, right. So I yeah. had to like hire somebody and I like was like, oh, do I trust him? And I, yeah, it was, it was a stressful experience for sure. So yeah, I did appreciate that aspect of, um, of someone just you know taking care of all the things for me and I was like why don't I have gas like what's going on right now or like right. <laughs> my fridge just broke like what yeah. how do I get someone to take it away like I don't even know um yeah so it was kind of a lot for sure but um yeah yeah, yeah. that it definitely helped have a friendly relationship with your school admin staff because if they liked you, they would be so much more will. Like if you went into work and were like, oh, my refrigerator broke, like they would be more to offer, you know, to get a repairman over or to have the little guy with the bongo truck show up yeah. and part it away for you. <laughs> As you know? I was leaving Korea. But if, if okay. the... go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry? Oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry, I interrupted. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but if they would just never offer to do anything and to the point that if it was something that really needed help with, they would just be like, that's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. So uh, if you're going to be teaching overseas and you don't speak the language, be as friendly to the admin staff because chances are they are overworked and underpaid and mm. it really is not their job to sort your life out for you but mm. if you're nice to them they will probably help you out oh I actually became friends with all the department secretaries um called I think it's called Chogio <laughs> I still remember and it's like I would always take them out for lunch and if I was having a party I would invite them and like 
one of them actually came to visit me in Canada a couple of years ago. So yeah, I made like a serious oh, effort wow. to like cultivate like good relationships with them. And um, yeah, so it actually worked out well. Like they were just were happy, I think, to have a friend. And then I was happy to have like someone who just was like willing, willing to like, you know, just be helpful <laughs> for um, things I needed but I also try not to burden yes. them with like ridiculous things I only was like okay so if I have an emergency I'm gonna call them but everything else I'm gonna like figure it out on my own so I think they appreciated that too I wasn't like yeah yeah for sure. them I totally knew people who yeah yeah because there definitely were are there I'm sure they are still are people who would think nothing of asking somebody in the office to walk with them to the post office so they didn't have to ask how to package home, oh. you know, or something like that. Because I, I did know people who really um, hand and uh, really expected the admin staff to do all of that hand holding. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think teaching in a foreign country, if you don't speak the language, you definitely need some like level of I don't know, just like you have to be a little bit brave, I guess, and um, <clears throat> like willing to be self-sufficient yes. and just trying to figure stuff out on your own, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely always try to figure out stuff on your own, but also, like you say, uh, you know, cultivate those good relationships with people. You know, I mean, I don't mean like be fake or, or something, like make them think that you're total BFFs when you never think about them outside of work. You know, nothing you know, disingenuous like that, just, you know, be friendly and only hassle them when your life <laughs> depends on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, well, in Korea, it's like my students would always bring, bring me coffees or like little snacks and they just did like cute things for me. And so um, I kind of, I thought like, oh, that's what people do in Korea for people they like, like, or just want to have a friendly relationship with. They just bring them small things. So I kind of just took that and like, did that for the department secretaries and was just like, okay, well, I need something from them, but I'll bring them like a little snack and like yes. they'll have some goodwill towards me to help me because I like did, you know, something kind for them. Yes. So it, it goes, it has to go two ways for sure. I think. Yes. And that, that is a very good tip wherever you are, just sort of look around like what are the students doing for you? Um, or, you know, how do you see other people interacting in a way that you can copy, <laughs> you know, like exactly. what is the cultural norm? How to fit <laughs> you know? in. Yes. So yeah, like if, if, if you see people bringing in little gifts or whatever, or snacks or coffees, and yeah, that's something that you can adopt mm -hmm. and definitely. make your own life better. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So let's keep moving along. So um, do you have any advice for someone who's thinking about teaching in Korea so maybe just some advice about like getting jobs or what kind of jobs or applying for jobs any of that stuff so um yeah yes um Dave's ESL cafe obviously still number as far as I know like that's that's always like the the first place there's also lots of uh lot of schools advertise on Facebook in different Facebook groups. So if you just do a search on Facebook for you know, ESL teaching groups in Korea, uh, you can join these groups and people will post their job ads. But I would say 
do your research, but also keep in mind that Korea has insane libel laws. Like it is libel, even if it's true, <laughs> Yes, it's, it damages a reputation. So, you know, um, Joe that I used to do a podcast with, um, he was successfully sued by his boss because he wrote on his blog that he didn't get paid. He owed him 7 million won. And because he wrote that, even though it was true, uh, he had to pay her 3 million won in damages. So um, whatever you see on the internet, you have to take with a grain of salt. And also consider, this sounds so cynical, but consider what the person who is giving you a good report might have to gain. Like, for example, my first job, the person who hired me was the foreign teacher that I was replacing. And she was so glowing about how awesome the school was and how great they would, you know, how great everything would be. The apartment was great. The job was great. The training, great. Everything was great, 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 great. Um, surprise, surprise. She was breaking contract and they were not going to pay her airfare home unless she found a replacement. Ugh, yeah, there's so, so many situations like that. I think. Welcome, sucker, <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, well, one tip I have kind of related to that is like most um, cities in Korea have like a Facebook group for the local expat teachers. So um, yeah, just like find it, like Suwon English teachers or Chonan ESL teachers or like whatever, or Chonan community or something like that. And then find that on Facebook and then, um, just ask the question like, hey, I'm thinking about ABC Hagwon. Um, has, does anyone know anything? And you, that, that's a good source of kind of unbiased information because it won't necessarily be the current teacher. It'll be someone with a friend who got ripped off or like a fort or like a teacher yes. who's moved on from that to like a better place or whatever. So there'll be less kind of like, yeah, vested interest in <laughs> recommending something that's not good. So that, that's a good source generally. Yes. And I would say, really do your research. You know, if, if you are offered a job, look at where it is. Like, you can look at the Wikipedia page, you can look on Google Earth and see, you know, oh, it's a little tiny village in the middle of nowhere that's going to take me like five hours to get to Seoul or whatever. And if that's what you like, then great. But if you know that every weekend you're going to want to go to Seoul or Busan or a bigger city for that sort of livelier experience, then, you know, take that into consideration and find out all that you can. Like, it looks like a lot of jobs these days are only offering housing allowance. And you need to really be aware that that housing allowance is really, really, really unlikely to cover your rent. Um, even if you're just getting a one room or, you know, an efficiency, a studio, whatever you want to call it. And in Korea, you often need a huge housing deposit of say like yes. $10,000 or, you know, 10 million won or whatever, 20 million, 50 million won. So it's like, it can cover your housing if you have $10,000, but most English teachers don't. So that's I, a bit um, tricky. When, when I did have my own place, when I was at the elementary school, I had my own place. And so, yeah, it was a 10 million won deposit. 
and uh, 600,000 won a month. And that was for a one bedroom. It was one bedroom with a separate living room and a separate kitchen. So it was actually a decent sized place. It was just in a really old house in like a student-y area, like a university area. Mm. So they were really surprised that I lived there by myself. Like, I guess they had had, I think four people living there before, um, which I can't even imagine. (laughs) My my last year in, uh, or my last few years in Korea, I had this sweet apartment in Busan and it was in an older neighborhood. Um, It was right by my university. So I could like walk to school basically. Um, But yeah, it was like this big three bedroom apartment overlooking the Nakdong River and I paid yeah something like 10 million deposit and then 500,000 won a month which is about 500 USD and um, it was crazy I just like asked my the guy that I hired to help me um, find it I was like was there like a murder here or like what (laughs) is going on like why this is so cheap anyway I just was like all right whatever I'm just gonna like not worry about it so um, right yeah it was great, I, I can't then, see the blood so it's okay <laughs> Whatever. I guess they cleaned it up but and then I did Airbnb while I was there too so it like covered covered my rent so it was like oh nice side gig going on because I had a three bedroom so it was like it was actually a huge place so it was actually that yeah, was perfect so I had like a lot of yeah. people from Europe different parts of Asia yeah it was like interesting and it was fun um telling travelers like about you know, where to go to eat, anything else that you'd like to mention um, <laughs> about your um, experiences teaching in Korea or advice that you have or, or anything, anything like that? I think um, if you're going to go to Korea, first of all, be aware that the market is really out there. Like people have realized that it's a good place to work and um, it's really not at all in copy a master's degree required. So, you know, I still see people all the time posting, like, I don't have a bachelor's degree. I have a, you know, I have a two-year degree or, you know, can I get a job? You know, I just have a TEFL certificate. No, the answer is no. First of all, always no. (laughs) uh, You have to have a four-year degree. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, You have to have a bachelor's degree minimum, which is a four-year degree from the U.S. and like a three-year degree from the U.K., whatever. But a bachelor's is the minimum for a visa. But the the market is so crowded these days that most schools or most reputable schools, most schools that have options of, you know, applicants are going to want some sort of TEFL qualification Um, if not also TEFL experience, if not also a master's degree. Mm -hmm. So just be aware that uh, it is not the situation that it was 15 years ago. And I still see salaries. I, somebody posted on Facebook the other day that was um, eight hours a day, Monday to Friday, and the salary was lower than a job I had in 2004 for six hours a day. Yeah, my very first job was like 2.2 and were- million. And now the salary is 2.2 million. <laughs> it's like a decent salary these days, which is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and they were offering, I want to say, it was something like housing allowance or <laughs> whatever, which um, 
in Seoul, like that might get you half of a one room. Like you would be sharing a studio apartment with another person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe we can do a future episode about like kind of up and coming um, places. I think kind of the glory days of Korea for being quite lucrative for English teachers are may- maybe maybe done. I think there are some better places if you're serious I about think, saving money. But that's maybe yeah, a I topic think... for another episode. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Um, I but I agree. I think anybody who's hoping to um, finish their bachelor's degree in whatever subject and go there and pay off their student loans in a year or two. I think those days are done. It's time for the teaching tip of the week. This week's tip is a game to get your students talking and used to answering simple questions with complete sentences rather than single words or yes or no. So to play this game, Each student will need five tokens. So if you have a box of poker chips, that would be great. Anything similar to poker chips. And if not, just have each student take a piece of paper and rip off five pieces so they have five tokens to begin with. This is a mingling game, so students will go around the classroom and pair off, and each pair will ask and answer one question each. If the student answers with a single word, the other student should call them out and demand one of their tokens. So once a student has answered five questions with single words, they are out of the game and they'll need to sit down. And at the end of the game, the student with the most tokens is the winner. That's it for this week's tip of the week. If you have something that you would like a tip about, please let us know. All right, so that might be a good place to end, I think. So um, if you like our podcast, please um, leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends. um, And we'll try to put out an episode, I think, every second Friday. So um, yeah, stay tuned for more to come. So um, Jennifer, where can people find you online? They can find me on a blog that I have not updated in a million years. (laughs) (laughs) um, at teachtravellearn.com and I also have a YouTube channel that I occasionally update which is also teach travel learn okay cool and and um, you Jack where can people find you people can find me in lots of places but I'm going to um (laughs) you find me at eslactivity.org and that's and also and then the podcast notes and episodes will be at eslactivity.org slash podcast is the plan so um yeah find me there and i'm also around facebook and stuff but you can find all the links to that on my website it might be the easiest um thing and i also have co- a contact button there so if you want to send me an email or say hello i would love to hear from you all right so um i think that's it we'll see you in a couple weeks everybody thank see you, you then bye bye